You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Just like that, the Mets have a little bit of momentum. Three wins in a row. Bats came alive again on Tuesday in the first segment today. Going to break down everything we saw in that game and... Throughout the show, I want to discuss that the Mets have maybe found a winning combination. In the second segment, we'll go through the things that are going well for the Mets right now and what could be sustainable from that. And then in the third segment, we'll talk about the newest addition to the bench, and that is DJ Stewart, who replaced Danny Mendick uh, before the game on Tuesday. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as a managing editor. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Well, I got on this show after that series against the Giants on Monday, and I was trying to speak something into existence. And I didn't know how much I believed in it, but what I said was, "Hey, maybe this Mets team can." go out there, and can win out, can win all the games remaining in the first half, getting into that all-star break, and go in with a little bit of momentum on the side, go in actually proving that they have a real chance. Well, recently we've seen the Mets go from like 10 games out of the wild card to six and a half just by winning three games. So that's how quickly this can change. String together some wins, your entire playoff picture can flip. And it's not said the Mets have done that yet. It's a very small, small step. But three wins down, five to go. Now winning five games doesn't seem as daunting as six. If they go out and they win the second game of the series, all of a sudden you're halfway there. Not to say it's going to happen. And really the big thing is win series, win series, win series, we're in series. Another thing I said was, look, if they win every series in July, they're going to be in good position by the trade deadline. That is a more realistic goal. But you also need to have some winning streaks if you're going to get where the Mets are trying to go because the math at this point isn't on your side. We have to play at a 650 clip to make it to the playoffs. But if you win eight, nine in a row at some point, maybe now that comes down to a 620 clip or a 600 clip and it starts to be a little more in your favor. If the Mets were to win out heading into the All-Star break, they'd still be two games under 500. So their work is still... So far, uh, you know, it's it's they got their work cut out for them. That's what I'm trying to say. But I like what I saw in this game. The fact that the Mets put up eight runs, that once again it was an offense that continued to add on. Look at the fourth inning on after going scoreless the first time through the lineup, the first three innings. The New York Mets put up runs in five of the remaining six innings at the end of the game. So they found a way to tack on, tack on, tack on, and they needed all of it. 
Because playing in Arizona, it's not quite playing at Coors Field, but it's not an easy ballpark to get victories. You have to score runs because that's a team and that's a ballpark where runs can, can come on you you know, in a hurry. And it happened to Max Scherzer. I don't think Scherzer pitched particularly bad. But you can't say it's a good start. <laughs> gave up four runs and gave up a lot of home runs. And that's a, a real damning thing about his season. He's given up home runs in 10 of his 15 starts. He is spiraling very quickly to potentially the worst season of his career when it comes to the home run ball. Just getting eaten alive by it. And in this one, he gives up a home run on the first end of Corbin Carroll. That one, I, I don't really look at as anything more than a guy who's an MVP candidate who just showed off some, some great hitting. I mean, a great piece of hitting going opposite field with it. He is just a spectacular hitter. And every time he steps into the box, you fear him. You really do. For a rookie, it's very impressive. But to me, looking at Scherzer's start, it's the fourth and the fifth innings where the Mets gave him a lead and he couldn't hold it. Okay, fourth inning, you have Starling Marte delivers a massive three-run homer. Francisco Lindor had drawn a walk in that inning, um, but there was two outs by the time Marte came up. Before him, Jeff McNeil is able to beat out an infield hit that Know, keeps the inning alive. So it's a little moments like that that haven't gone Jeff's way that are starting to. And when those things tip you know, into his favor, all of a sudden your lineup is so much more productive. And that's the weird thing about Jeff McNeil. How do you quantify when he's getting his infield hits? But right now it's fallen for him. He hits it just soft enough and he always gets out of the box quickly, beats that out, extends the inning. And then starting Marte falls behind the count. Uh, you know, he's sitting one, two. And there's a changeup, you know, that's out of the zone low, but not completely. And he just waits on it, gets a barrel on it, drives it out of the ballpark. And it's his fifth of the season. And it's a massive home run. And you feel the momentum is back in your favor coming off that last series victory. And suddenly you're like, all right, you got you, you got the wind at your back. You're pushing forward. You're, you're doing good. And Scherzer drops the ball, man. He goes out, gives up a home run to Christian Walker, which was a bomb an absolute bomb dead center. And you look at where that pitch was. It was dead center. Hit it where he threw it. I mean, and then to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. You know, right after that, another pitch that's, you know, letters high, um, you know, center cut. And that was a little bit inside, but just bad pitches, mistakes, clear mistakes from Scherzer. He coughs up the lead. Now it's even fifth inning. The Mets, Get one back. Brandon Nimmo, who we got to talk about a little more later, hits his 13th of the year. He's been unbelievable. Gives the Mets a lead. Scherzer in the next inning coughs it up. But what I will say about Max Scherzer, even though you can't call it a good start, he gave the Mets a chance to win. So you look at that fifth inning, right? Starts off the inning great, gets two outs. Then gives up a base hit. Then you have a walk. Then Jake McCarthy gets a base hit, but Francisco Lindor does a great job making a diving stop to – Keep it in the infield. Corbin Carroll comes up. He walks him. He loses him 3-2 and, and walks him. Probably better to walk him than have Corbin Carroll hit one out or hit one in the gap and, and really change the game. But still, he gave up the lead again, and it was even. But credit to Scherzer facing a guy in Christian Walker who just took him yard the inning before. He made good pitches, and he was able to get the strike out, get out of the inning, get out of the jam. And in the sixth inning, I wasn't sure if he was going to go back out there. The Mets know if they get their start through six, they're probably going to win based on the way this season has broke out. 
And if not, they're probably going to lose. Scherzer tells Buck, listen, bottom of the lineup, let me face him. Let me, let me carve him up. And he does just that, goes one, two, three. And he deserves the victory at that point because then his catcher got him the win. Francisco Alvarez hit a bomb of a home run. Uh, Daniel Vogelback had drawn a walk ahead of him. You put DJ Stewart in as a pinch runner because when you get to the seventh inning, you don't want Vogelback running the bases. And it was probably a good thing you did because then DJ Stewart was up later in the game in an RBI spot. But we'll get to that in a second here. Alvarez's home run was a massive shot. 110 miles per hour off the bat. Almost 470 feet. is 14th of the season. That's why he's still got to play because he can still change games. And I, I, I think a hot streak is due for Alvarez at some point. Maybe he's a streaky hitter. We'll see how that ends up you know, showing up throughout his big league career. In the minor leagues at times, he was that. So we'll see. But if this was the beginning of a hot streak, that's going to be very welcome for the Mets as they try to put up uh, you know, a really good stretch here of baseball in July. So that was good to see. Then the bullpen comes in, and every single out that the bullpen has to get feels like an adventure at this point. And Brooks really walked a couple in his inning. Luckily, he got out of it. He got Corbin Carroll to ground out. That was one of those moments where you were really nervous. A couple runners on, Carroll up. But he gets a ground ball to first base that he nearly beat out. Mets get the out. They get out of the inning. Eighth inning rolls around, uh, and they're able to score another run. You have Lindor gets hit by a pitch. Alonzo strikes out. He didn't look good offensively in this game at all. Jeff McNeil draws a walk. The Mets have a little double steal to put runners in scoring position. Starling Marte walks, and here comes the DH spot. And instead of Daniel Vogelback, it's DJ Stewart, who we'll talk about uh, later on in the show as well. As he was just added to the team for this game, Danny Mendick sent down. He isn't fooled by a couple pitches out of the zone. Uh, you know that pitcher. What was it? What was his name? I'm trying to remember who. It was uh, Austin Adams. He was a disaster, honestly. Uh, but you need to take advantage in those spots. And the Mets probably didn't take enough advantage of uh, that situation. But at least they got an insurance run in. And DJ Stewart, credit to him. You know, he, he looks at a couple pitches way out of the zone. Knows he's going to get a, a strike thrown to him. Doesn't try to do too much. Hits a fly ball. And there you go. You get a run across, and and that's the the little things you have to do to win baseball games. Adam Adovino, to his credit, looked really good. I felt did give him a base hit, but had a couple of strikeouts. Looked in command of his pitches, so that was good to see. Ninth inning, Brett Beatty leads things off with a single. Uh, he ends up on second base because of a wild pitch, and then Francisco Lindor gives you one more insurance run by hitting a double into the right field corner. Mets up eight to four. And then it gets to another adventure because Drew Smith could not just get the last three out. They tried to avoid going to David Robertson. It's crazy that I was upset by that decision. I can't blame Buck for it, but I was just like, man, win in hand, just, just send Robertson out there. At the same time, I get it. You got six games you got to get through this week, and you want Robertson to be fresh. You don't want to have to go to him. And he looked pissed when he had to grab Drew Smith and, and yank him, but it's what you had to do. He gives up a leadoff single, gets a couple of outs, and then he walks a batter. And at that point, you are dangerously close to the tying run coming out to the plate, and you don't want to you know, risk it. And all of a sudden, Corbin Carroll's the guy that's up, and you don't want to see him with one swing of the bat making a one-run game. Robertson comes in, gives up a hit, 
All of a sudden, time run comes up. It's Christian Walker, another scary situation. He walks Walker. All of a sudden, now it's a three-run lead. But finally, he gets a ground out. The Mets escape with a win. Robertson with his 12 save. And you got some momentum. Can they carry it over? Uh, that's what I want to discuss next. Before we do, though, are you using the sleeper app for Daily Fantasy Baseball? I am tonight. I got Pete Alonso hitting a home run. Did you see that ball he hit foul tonight? It must have gone 550 feet. I could be exaggerating. I also could not be the way he hit it. I think tonight he's going to keep one fair. If you want 100% of your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to a 100% payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. There's a built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with the tap of a button. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy, and you have safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states. If you want to try Sleeper, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The New York Mets play the Arizona Diamondbacks at 9.40 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Have the Mets found their winning combination? Are they on a track to keep this up, or is this just a couple good days in a row? I mean, you can make an argument that these last two games could have gone the other way, and the Mets could be right where they were, on you know, Friday night and at the end of June, it's just a mirage. And maybe it is. But also, you need some things to start going in your way for the momentum to turn and for a little bit of confidence to get into your ball club. And that trickles down where that guy that pitches in the sixth inning, whether it's Drew Smith or or you know, Trevor Gott that they get, if you start to have some momentum build, those guys have more confidence too. And then instead of just continuing to make things worse and, and make a self-fulfilling prophecy where this team's always losing, you start to win. So you have to look at what the Mets have right now and see how many boxes you can check off for a winning ball club. I look at the Mets one through five right now and what they're, they're lining up. Brandon Emmo has been unbelievable. His career high for home runs hit is 17. He's at 13 now, and he is on such an absolute tear with the home run ball. He has five home runs in his last seven games. He is a different hitter right now where if he gets his pitch, not only is he driving, he's driving out of the ballpark. And if you get that type of power from the leadoff spot, it changes the dimensions of your team. It changes everything. So that's been amazing to see. It's it's almost reminiscent of Curtis Granderson when he was bad leadoff for the Mets at his best. So that's been big. Tommy Pham is one of the hottest hitters on the planet right now, batting him in the two-hole. He was 0 for 5 in this game today. Francisco Lindor clearly to me is turning a corner. 
He's got the OPS nearly at 760. He's at 758, but it's over 750 now. He's driving in runs. He's been very productive. He's got a chip on his shoulder. I love the way he's playing baseball right now. Pete Alonso is due to be even better. Um, and he still won you a game the other night. Uh, it's it's not you know completely in his rhythm where it just seems like every time up, he's a guy that you can fear. He's a guy that at times right now, pitchers can work around him and, and he can get himself out. But even when he struck out, which he did against Zach Davies in this one, struck out three times, actually. There's foul balls that he hits, you know, to the moon. So at some point he's going to straighten those out and he's going to be a force for you. So you're one through four. You like Jeff McNeil seems to be on his way to, to rising, you know, raising that batting average and, and getting back to being the player that, you know, he can be. And if he's able to capitalize in these RBI spots in the five hole, look, at least you have five hitters that you like top your lineup. Starling Marte had a big game. We'll see if that can carry over. You know, Mark Kansas his time and he's had his moments as well. They get some production there. And then you have Brett Beatty, who it feels like he's getting two hits in a lot of these games and the batting average is climbing. The overall production is not there. He's still hitting the ball on the ground a ton, but I feel like at some point this season, you're going to get a better version of Brett Beatty and all of the lumps he's playing through right now are going to pay off and, and should pay off in a pretty big way. And you have a game-changing bat in Alvarez who's at 14 home runs from the catcher position, which is not something the Mets have gotten much at all since Mike Piazza. And not saying he's going to be Mike Piazza, but he's certainly better than a lot of the catchers they've run out than, you know, you know since they've had him, right? And that's your your eight, nine hitters currently. And then it's figuring out this DH spot. And whether that's Vogelback, whether that's DJ Stewart, whether Mark Vientos eventually gets some run, whether it's Ronnie Mauricio, that's sort of the one area in the lineup that you're still scratching your head on. But to me, the lineup has gotten to a place where it's balanced and I feel like they're going to be able to put up runs. So then you look at the other big component, the starting rotation. I love what the Mets did starting Scherzer. There was a podcast host on Sunday that suggested such a thing after the Mets won that series against the Giants. I was on Monday's podcast, but I said, hey, start Max Scherzer the first game. You get him to pitch on the following Sunday. So you get him two times out of a a six-game stretch to close out your first half. Glad the Mets did that. He might not pitch great, but he got the win, and he got you through six. I don't know if Kodai Senga gets you through six. You hope he does because now he's starting against Tommy Henry. But the Diamondbacks aren't throwing Zach Gallon in these two games. So you got to like that. It's Tommy Henry with a 408 ERA and Ryan Nelson, the 467 ERA. The Mets are going Kodai Senga and Carlos Carrasco. Where's the winning combination in that rotation? Well, it's the fact that Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer might be rounding into form. Kodai Senga's been the steadiest pitcher you've gotten this year. And you look at Carlos Grasco's last two starts, two earned runs allowed. It's got you through four in the first one, got you through five against the Giants. It's not to say that all is well with Carrasco, but I do feel like the location on his pitches has been there, and he's showing you something. And Jose Quintana could be back very soon. Right now it's David Peterson slated um, to start on Saturday. 
that could change. Could be a combination. We'll see. But to me, the winning combination is the fact that you're very soon on the other end of the uh, of the break, at least, going to have a five-man rotation of relative veterans. Kodai Senga being the, the one aberration there, and he's a veteran pitcher just on Major League Baseball. But I think once you are at a point where you've got Verlander, Scherzer, Carrasco, Quintana, maybe there's some stability there that will carry over. The big question is the bullpen. Can you figure out a bullpen? I liked what I saw from Adam Adovino today. Brooks Raley and David Robertson have been good. Can Trevor Gott be this missing piece for them? And are they going to remain active in that market and add another arm? If you want to listen to my show yesterday, I, I did detail a lot of potential targets the Mets could look at. They're trying to buy some more relievers on the open market right now. So we'll see. But I think if your lineup is consistent, putting up runs, and your rotation starts to be consistent with obviously pitching well, but also giving you length, that should trickle to the bullpen as well. And I think it'll get more out of the pen. And once the Mets start hopefully winning baseball games, the pressure is going to ease on some of these middle inning guys where maybe you get to a point where this winning can actually be stable. Not saying it's definite. I'm not saying all the problems are fixed, although I'm certainly being way more optimistic now than I've been last couple weeks and even the last couple days. But the game that they won on Tuesday is a game that they've lost recently. Game that they won on Sunday is a game that they've lost recently. Now you could say, hey, should have or could have gone the other way. Or you could say, maybe this Mets team is starting to play up to their potential. Look at run differential and everything else. They are not as bad as their record suggests. I think their run differential is minus nine on the season. Not great. But that does sort of show you that they haven't been that far away. They stop blowing games with their bullpen. If they get consistent starting pitching, if this lineup has finally found a rhythm, maybe you can watch out for your Mets. We'll see. We will see. One piece that was just added to this puzzle is DJ Stewart. Call up from AAA, and they sent Danny Mendick down. I want to discuss this roster move just a minute. First, though, word from our sponsors. New York Mets put the Arizona Diamondbacks again at 9.40 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. DJ Stewart is now a New York Met coming up from Syracuse, and Danny Mendick was optioned down. Reason being, the Mets won another bat on their bench. And I think with Mendick and Guillaume, you felt like you were thin in that department. And then those two guys have... You know, a lot of similar skills, quite honestly. It's you know defensive first infielders. And Mendick's not a guy who is going to thrive against left-handed pitching. He hasn't at least this year. Last year he did with the White Sox, but in AAA he hadn't done it. So suddenly he was this bat that Buck Showalter is going to against left-handed pitching. And maybe the front office just screamed down, oh my God, stop doing that. And they pulled him off the roster and put another lefty on the roster. Given Buck 
a different option with DJ Stewart. Now, on the surface, you could say DJ Stewart, Daniel Vogelback, those guys seem to have similar skill sets. Left-handed bats, supposed to provide power. High walk guys as well. You look at uh, Stewart's MLB career, he's got a 13% walk rate. 327 on base for a 213 hitter. So he gets into good at-bats, basically, is what that's telling you, which is what Vogelback is supposed to do as well. Difference being a uh, little more power maybe from DJ Stewart, particularly this season. He's really tapped into something. 16 home runs in AAA. You want a guy that can lift. We just saw him hit a sacrifice fly in this game in his first at bat with the Mets this season. Got on base at a 362 clip in Syracuse. He walked at a 15% clip. He only struck out at a 20% clip. He's putting up really solid numbers. And, for a guy that is maybe just going to be a pinch hitter off your bench and get the occasional start here or there, I like it. And what I almost like about it is by giving Buck Showalter a, a guy with a similar skill set as Daniel Vogelback, you put him in a position where he doesn't overthink things by forcing a righty into the lineup. As crazy as it is to say, I'm sure it's not as simple as that. I'm sure the front office looked at the splits for Stewart this year saw that he handled left-handed pitching very well and thought, all right, here's the guy that hits lefties and righties that's given really good at bats. And we don't need another glove on this, this roster. We want another bat. You look at what he did this season. In fact, lefty ready splits. And it's a left-handed batter, but he had 273 against lefties. 405 on base, 576 slug, had three home runs. He had 13 home runs against right-handed pitching, but hit 219, 353 on base. So it's better against lefties, but had an OPS over 850 against both. 856 OPS against righties, 981 OPS against lefties. Bottom line, he's been a good bat wherever you, you put him. And now if you look at the Mets roster and how it kind of shapes up in their bench, Tommy Pham is the starting left fielder. So Mark Canna is the fourth outfielder. That's what has happened here. Will he grab some playing time from Starling Marte? Potentially. Um, will he you know, take Pete off his feet at first base for a day and put Pete to DH? Absolutely. But Canna's now the fourth outfielder. So, And he's also your right-handed bat off the bench. What does that mean? Well... You look at the rest of your bench, you got Nervaez as the backup catcher. Guillaume, your backup infielder. So who do you want in that last spot? You might ideally say, yeah, you want a righty, but now Cannon can fill that role. So grab another lefty that hits both left-handed and right-handed pitching. He's just a better hitter than Danny Mendick. And so they opt for it, and we'll see how it works out for them. It certainly paid off on Sunday with a sacrifice fly. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for today's edition, Locked on Mets. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets, and if you want to catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast, you could do so. Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.